Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners? Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and today we're hanging out with Elliot and Daniel. Combined, they have 50 years experience in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and building eight-figure sales teams and bottle it up inside a powerful new international best-selling book, Sales Jiu-Jitsu, The Secret Black Belt System for Champion Leaders. Guys, welcome to the program. So good to have you here. Thanks for, Thanks for having us. So what the heck does sales and jujitsu have in common? I imagine if I go into a conference room and I grabbed somebody I was trying to pitch and threw them to the floor, they might kind of be a little bit, uh, I don't know, I'd probably end up in jail, not closing business. So talk to me about how, what, how you guys make this work. What does sales and jujitsu have to do with each other? Taking something that is like what sometimes sales is referred to as verbal jujitsu, but we've taken something that's a very much a verbal skill set and used uh, using jujitsu as a, as a physical language to express sales processes and systems. And we've created this new language, a new way of thinking about, about sales. And, you know, we're, we're, we're here to talk to you today in the next you know, 20, 23 minutes as we go through this, this interview and, you know, most people are telling you out there that you need more leads, you need a new funnel, you need to, you know, fill your pipeline. And, and one of the things I want to tell you that we're here today to talk about is that you simply need to be converting your existing leads at a higher rate. And, you know, over this next, our intention over this, this, this interview is to really show you some black belt strategies and when implemented correctly are going to double conversion rates for, you know, those agency owners that are out there. So I love that. I love that this idea of taking this physical language of uh, you know of, of jujitsu and translating that into into some sales stuff. You mentioned you know people say like oh I need more leads I, and I, I know the I guess I I'm, I'm somebody who loves selling in the art of sales and of course one of my favorite movies is you know Glenn Gary Glenn Ross and you know sure. the guys are all sitting around right they want the they want more leads they want the better leads right and I think that's a really common thing with sales teams is, you know, if I just had better leads or if I just had more leads and what you're telling me is, eh, it's probably not the problem, right? There's, there's things that you should be doing to get more people that you already engage with into, uh, to convert. So, so give me an, an idea of, uh, of a strategy or a tactic that you believe translates from jujitsu that helps to improve sales conversion. So one of the things that my teens would do really well. Like we do, we'd, we'd, we'd have pre-scripted uh, objection handling that would happen. Uh, we, we, I put together these scripts, we'd give them out to the team. The team would be like, yeah, we did that. We did the, we did the role play. I go listen to calls and they weren't closing anything <laughs> like, and they would be those, those exact objection handling 
pieces that we, we gave them. And, you know, what Elliot opened my mind to was that there's a different way of, of looking at training. And, you know, Elliot, talk a little bit about that from the, from the jujitsu side. Yeah. So many martial arts include the same techniques we use in jujitsu, but what makes jujitsu so powerful and arguably the most powerful martial art for a smaller person defending themselves against a bigger person is how we train. And if you're, say, practicing a technique for when someone grabs you by the wrist or attacks you in a certain way, and by the time your partner, your training partner grabs you, they're just waiting for you to do their moves, your moves, what's going to happen in a real situation? You will not be ready for the intensity of that reality, that real situation. And so how we train is what we call with aliveness. We have to train against resistance. Unless you've been in a situation where someone's actually trying to stop you, you won't be ready for, say, the street where someone is definitely going to be trying to stop you. So that idea of raising the intensity of your experience in the training is going to allow you to feel very prepared for the reality of a real situation, whether it's, in our case, on the streets or in Daniel's case, in a boardroom. So what we did, I took that concept and brought it back to my team, and I created what I call sparring partners. And what our team does is they get together, they have a dedicated hour that everybody in the team is paired up on a rotational basis. And they bring to that one hour, somebody they couldn't overcome that week, somebody that, that, that just, they couldn't get over the hump and they, they have that real, real world resistance. Some they'll, they'll put on accents. They'll, they will come become that person's personality and they get to see how somebody else will actually attack that objection or, or weave through that niche in a different way. And they're like, Oh, I could have gone that route. I didn't see that before. And we created a logging system where they actually log the ahas and, and the new approaches. And this aliveness is, it, it becomes something that they really look forward to. And, you know, it's one of the elements uh, that we, you know, we have in the book and we've created this sparring partner log. And it's, it's definitely something that we're going to, you know, uh, have people be able to grab at the end here today. That's, that's cool. I, I I'm reminded of, I think it's the Mike Tyson quote, right? Like everyone has a, has a plan until they get punched in the face. And I think that's like one of my favorite things to do with like new sales team members is to, you know, instead of having them sit in, you know, in our office or whatever and read scripts or listen to calls, it's like your first day of work within like a couple of hours where you're on a call with a client. You have no idea about the pro product, right? You have no idea about the service, and you're just there. And, and, and I always tell people, like, I want you to get good at saying, like, I don't know, and that you're going to go find out, you know, find the answer from other team members. And so if I give you literally zero information and just kind of put you into this, like, this this position where you're talking to a live customer, right? Like, I find that that always it brings that aliveness to the table. And, and I love that you guys are able to replicate that with this idea of sparring partners because I think that's one of the hardest things, right? When you do, like, role plays or mock sales scenarios – Right. Like it's it's kind of hard to like play make believe sometimes. And, and I think as somebody who also studied martial arts, uh, you know, it's it's hard if you're not like like we used to do full contact fighting on Saturdays. I loved it because it was like it wasn't the like forms. It wasn't like, uh, hey, this is, you know, somebody's slow punching you. Right. It was like people are le legitimately trying to hurt you. Right. Uh, and I, I think it's it's difficult to try to recreate that in a sales uh, type of environment. So you're actually telling people to come to these sparring 
sessions and almost in a way like becoming actors. Like they're they're trying to kind of become the avatar that they couldn't sell. Yeah, they're embodying that person. And what I find is is when when especially with a new sales rep when they come in, they immediately we see a 10% increase in their conversion rates in the in the preceding weeks after this. And as they get going in this, that's where you get to a 30 to 40% conversion rate with the sales rep because they're constantly working in a real world environment on their on it and they get to see another person attack it from a different angle it's a very um visceral way of of increasing their scale skills at an exponential rate do, do you find that i mean are do salespeople sometimes resist this work a little bit like ah oh, this is lame i don't you know this isn't like what it's really like i mean is there some resistance in adopting this that's where i look for culture fit like that's when I when I'm hiring sales reps, I'm I'm bringing this up as part of the culture of the sales team, and if they're resistant to it, that that shows me that they're not prepared to work on their skills. And if they're not going to work work on their skills, I don't want them on my team. You know, I run a I run a sales team. You know, for a, a company I work for is called Advance Your Reach, and and I know I have a a, a, a sales team that that brings in you know ten million dollars a year, and that team I I'm very guarded with who, who I bring in the culture fit. And you, I'm not looking for people that are not prepared to show up as the best version of themselves for every single call. And that includes understanding the level of training that we needs to go into being a world-class salesperson. Do you ever find, I know you mentioned that when people, uh, you know, start this work, you oftentimes see a 10% lift in close. Do you ever see the opposite where, Somebody starts working on a new method or a new approach, and there's kind of some 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 growing pains or learning pains with this. If it's an if it's completely new, like a new sector or a new niche, yeah, you can always you can you can tell there's going to be there's going to be some growing pains in there. But if it's a standard process, a standard uh, sales portfolio that's not a new product, it's not a new niche, it's something that's been been tested and and you know that it works their conversion rates will only go up. So I only see that happen in, in states where we're maybe trying a new a new niche and there's a lot of growing pains around, you know, a, a new product or a new niche. But but if it's a, if it's been something you've been selling for a while, you're bringing in a new salesperson and you want to get them going really quickly, this is the way to do it. One of the things you mentioned that you have is these pre-scripted objection handling one thing I used to do. Yes, used to what do. I used, okay. used to do. Literally abandoned it for this. Yeah. And okay. we created a, a log, a systematic, and this is what we one of the things we give out in the book is like an actual logging system for this. So that new reps can come in and actually watch sparring sessions and see the the the, the, the zoom link for it. They they look in and they, they see the the uh, the ahas that came out of it. What were some new objection handling like um phrases that came out of it? And they could go watch it and actually get up to speed really, really quickly. Hey, what's up, agency owners? Quick question for you. Could your client retention rate be better? Most small businesses are terrible at closing leads. So it's pretty common to churn lead gen clients quickly. But I've been really impressed with a new all-in-one marketing platform that actually closes leads without clients having to get involved. The platform, which is called High Level, is built specifically for agencies, and the best part is you can white-label it so you can present it to your clients as your own software and collect that sticky software revenue in addition to your services charges each month. High Level normally has a 14-day free trial, but as a member of the YouGurus community, you have access to an extended 
30-day trial, which you can access at gohighlevel.com forward slash gurus. That's gohighlevel.com forward slash U-G-U-R-U-S. All right, let's get back to the program. Now with, I mean, even with jujitsu, right? I mean, you've got moves, you've got forms, you've got some things that you have to learn. And, and I think there's probably some kind of yin-yang with that, right? Of like the doing the work, learning the moves, like mastering that stuff, and then also getting in and actually putting them into practice in terms of sparring. So so maybe talk to me a little bit about that other part of it. I mean, is it just simply, hey, let's just take salespeople, have them spar, we'll all watch them spar, we'll learn from them? Or is there other elements of jujitsu that you're using to help kind of codify and organize uh, how you're, you're increasing conversion for sales. Yeah, we are just, our book is literally a 30 point system. Like belly, maybe we talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So to understand more broadly, we take a jujitsu competition as an analogy for sales engagement. And we use the same four-step process that I take my students and athletes through for winning on the mat. And we apply that to a sales engagement. So those four steps are pre-fight. What do you do before an engagement? Fight. How do you enter and open an engagement? Winning. What do you do to close the deal, so to speak? And then post-fight. What do you do after a, an engagement? Win or lose. And so this process and the, the idea of having a system in place, this is why it's not about new leads. It's about perfecting the process that you use through this, this model we've created allows you to recursively follow a system that can maximize the value of the leads that you already have generated. And I definitely, if, if you guys are cool, I'd love to go kind of go through some of those different stages. Before I do that, though, I mean, is there, and, and I'm just kind of trying to think about how people will take this idea of sales is jujitsu. Because I think sales is already one of those things that people think is, can be aggressive, mm-hmm. can be uncomfortable. And I mean, now I feel like you two are just going all in. We're like, hey, this is this is like the ring. This is fight. This is battle, right? I mean, isn't there, I don't know. Like, is it almost feels like it's just going all in with this idea that this is a, a us versus them type of environment. I mean, is there, have you gotten any pushback or is there any kind of, like, how do you address that kind of concern or objection that you, that, Comparing sales to jujitsu is is essentially setting up like an aggressor defender type of environment. Excellent question. And and that's to understand jujitsu literally translated, the word means gentle art. And the idea is that if we know that what we're selling can be of service to our prospects, to our clients, then anything that gets in the way of us being able to sell to them, that's the opponent. We're not competing against or fighting against the prospect or our clients. We are fighting against the forces that get in the way of them being willing and able to receive and accept the good services and products that we have to offer. So it's a it's a different mindset. We're not competing against the the prospect or opponent or uh, client. We're competing against anything that's going to prevent us from being able to really help them and solve a problem you know, and solve a real problem. So yeah, that might be the first blush at looking at, at the title, but once you get a little deeper into it, it is all about the forces that get in the way of them saying yes to solving the problem. And, and I, I love that answer, right? I wasn't even sure what you guys were going to say in, in terms of that, but it helps me to, you know, mentally now I'm almost like reframing and just pulling value from that. Because I, I always tell people, you know, if you're, if you really believe in what you're selling, 
you know, because people are like, oh, man, you're so persistent. Like, oh, it doesn't don't don't you ever get tired of like annoying people? And I'm like, you know, I, I believe in my product. Like if I believe that I can help save one more person or help them achieve more freedom, like why wouldn't I, you know, send that seventh email or that ninth email or whatever. Right. So so let's and so I love that idea that this is a gentle art. I love that the opponent is not our prospect, but the opponent is uh, is the those other the forces that are keeping them from getting the help that we can potentially provide them with our product or service. I'd love to get some high-level understanding of some of the things that you teach uh, in a couple of these. Yeah, we, got three more, we have three more things that we'd love to share with the audience in, in the last, so the, the first domain, um, in, in the next domain, the next two domains, I think would be really, really serving as well. So, you know, in the domain of our fight, which is our second, second level of our process, um, in there, there's a section called positioning. So, Elliot, maybe set us up here, and then I'll, I'll, I'll take us home on this one. Yeah, for sure. So, to understand why is it that jujitsu allows a smaller person to overcome a bigger person, it's all based on the principle of positioning. From a good position, things are easy. From a bad position, things are difficult. And so, within the positioning subsection of the fight uh, quadrant. We look at first, once you get to a good position, your first job is just to secure it. Make sure you don't get pushed back an inch. Then we look slowly to improve our position step at a time. But once you've gotten to a good enough position, then we have to start thinking about the close. And we say that positioning is what makes winning inevitable and losing impossible. And so what we do at the final stage of positioning is we set up our win. We want to set it up so that when it's time to seal the deal, when it's time to, in the jiu-jitsu language, go for the submission, in the sales language, close the deal, we want it to be a cakewalk. We want to make it an inevitability. And that idea of setting up your win is doing the groundwork in advance so that you're not having to deal with all this last-minute resistance. But if you've ever gotten you know, to the closing part of a deal and you've got an objection that you can't really handle, why well, want to give you a bulletproof way that will absolutely set up your win in a, in a, in a, in a very powerful way. It's like a bulletproof vest for dealing with objections. And so this is the idea of getting the COI or the cost of inaction statement. And what most people do is they ignore the cost of inaction or they do the cardinal sin of stating the cost of inaction for the customer. Now, what you should be doing is making the customer state the cost of inaction themselves meaning you're drawing out what would happen if they don't solve the problem that you solve. And when done correctly and you gain the statement in their own words, you can leverage this back anytime during the, during the process to overcome any, any objection. The key really here is understanding and remembering the tonality in which they said it. If the other one says, oh, well, if we don't do that, we're going to have to close half the company, you know, versus like, oh man, if, if that ha- if we don't solve this problem, I'm going to have to lay off some people. Like there's a difference in that tonality. You need to understand how to leverage this back in the right way. And they also have to hear their own voice when you say it. So the cost of inaction is a way to set up your win. It's a very powerful, powerful way. That's pretty cool. So I think the, and I've heard that a little bit before. But I think you bring some new things to the table. One is that you want to set that up earlier on in the process. So you don't want to be like at the very end, you know, you're like, hey, do you want to move forward? Like, and they're like, no, I don't. I, I want to think about it. And then you're like, well, what's it going to cost you to not move forward? And they're like this. And then you're like, well, look, I'm repeating that back to you, right? Like, obviously, you're trying to do that at the very end, which maybe feels to me like a, 
like a haymaker, right? Like we're just, we're trying to go for like the big right flail, right? And what you're saying is that's something that you need to get early on in the process in a very organic, authentic, truthful way. And, and when you've gotten that and you remember not only what they've said, but also the tone in which they've said it, then you can bring that back. And, and what you match the tone when you bring that back kind of towards the end. Exactly. You almost like they, they almost hear their own voice in it, you know, and you're feeding it back. It's like, if they give you an objection, you're like, hold on, wait a second. You know, you, you said to me that it, you may have to lay off half the company if you don't solve this problem. So I don't understand the objection right now. And you get, get back to their tone and see what happens. And more often than not, nobody wants to be incongruent with what something they said. They just don't want to be incongruent. And it puts you in a, it puts you in a power position in that moment. So, and it's also important here, what I'm hearing from you is sometimes those objections that you're getting at the very end of your, your, your fight, your process, you might not even address the objection with a linear response. You're, addre- you're addressing their objection with this cost of inaction. You're just basically bringing that up and kind of saying, well, hey, like, are we really, are we still talking about the same thing? Because earlier you said you're going to close the business. Now we're talking about I can't find $2,000 or $20,000 or whatever to like solve this problem. Like, are we, are we still talking about the same thing? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I want, I want more guys. Give me more. Cause I feel like I'm taking notes today and I'm forgetting that we're in a podcast interview. Cause I'm like, Oh man, we got to go and like work on this part of our script. So, so what else do we have? I mean, do we have more in the fight? I'm sure there's a lot more in, in the book, but let's keep going. Yeah. Let's move into winning. Well, listen in this domain, what Elliot shared with me about what it takes to never let a sale slip through completely changed the methodology here. And I'd love for you to share that. Elliot. Yeah. So just like in sales, there's closing the deal in chess, there's a checkmate in jiu-jitsu, there's what we call a submission. And so once we've done all this work to position ourselves so that we can go for that checkmate, can try to close the deal The most common thing, there's an expression from Eastern philosophy, most people fail in their endeavors because they're not as careful in the end as they are in the beginning. And the idea is that we want to take that same careful approach uh, of positioning to this final stage. And so rather than attack the submission and try to finish it right away, the idea is once we attack it, then we do the work to reinforce it. So for example, if I'm trying to lock up someone's arm, Rather than try to make them give up in that moment, I'm going to do. Little, I'm going to make little adjustments, turning their thumb a little a certain way, pinching my knees together, adjusting my hips in a certain way, so that it becomes inevitable or uh, impossible, rather, for them to even think about escaping. And so, if you've ever been deep in a sales process and you just know that your prospects should be salivating for your product or service, and they're still just lukewarm. What's probably happening is you haven't done what I call future casting. You haven't painted a picture of the future of what it would be like once the problem is actually solved. You're, and, th- and what's key here is you have to co-create the future of what their company will be like or their, you know, themselves, if it's like a personal thing, what it's going to look like once that problem is solved 100%. You know, we had a financial advisor who worked with us recently. And he ran a financial advisory in Florida. When he doubled down on future casting with pre-retirees, it had literally changed things in like one month to generate over $100,000 in new business because he wasn't spending the time to really paint that future 
and what it really meant for them on a both a tactical and an emotional level. You can be very tactical in your sales process. You're going to make this much more money. You're going to generate this. But some people, you know, they're only 50% of people are on the emotional, are on the tactical. And if you don't also address the emotional element, you're leaving them kind of high and dry and they don't get to feel what it's going to be like. And if you're talking to a company, somebody who works at a corporation, what's it going to be like for their career? What could it be like for their you know, job in the future? Like, you know, all that stuff. So future casting is really an incredible opportunity to reinforce it before you move into the final finish. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about one of my favorite white label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications, and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. Check them out today at e2msolutions.com. That's E, the number two, M, solutions.com. All right, back to our show. So with something like that, and, and you use this, you use that quote, Elliot, about most people fail because they aren't as careful in the end as in the beginning. And I know that, you know, when somebody gets a new referral, they get a new lead in, new contact for me, it's like, it's like, you know, Johnny on the spot, like, you know, responding right away. But then you've had like a few discovery meetings, you had a proposal, the email comes in and it's like, eh, I'll get to it tomorrow. And tomorrow turns into Thursday before, you know, it's Friday. You're like, oh crap, I haven't gotten back to them, right? So I know that's definitely something that happens to people a lot is they are, you know, they're, they're excited in the beginning. They're not as excited in the end. And there's probably some people that are listening to this program right now who are like, oh crap, there's a whole bunch of leads that I haven't followed up with, or maybe there's a proposal I haven't sent or whatever. Um, and so, and I'm just trying to connect this into the idea of future casting in, in a deal. So we've got this idea of kind of, you know, of, of co-creating the future. You mentioned this idea of, of reinforcing something. So then as you're getting into the end of the conversation, as you're getting into the close, Instead of you trying to bring up new material, you're just spending more time kind of re-envisioning the future. You're like leaning more into their into how this is going to help them versus like bringing up new stuff. Is that is that kind of connecting for you guys? Yeah, and so, so essentially, it's it's when you're in that when you're in the the vein of like they you you know you can solve the problem. You've done your discovery. You understand that this is going to be helpful for that person or for the organization. You, you slow down before saying, okay, let's move into like final, like coding and, and scope creep and all that all scoping, all that stuff before you, you know, present the final offer, you slow down for a second and say, okay, wait a second, what is going to be possible when this problem that we solve, because in sales, we're solving problems. We don't, we're not going to get paid unless we solve problems. If we solve this problem for you, what is possible? What's the repercussions, the, the positive repercussions that are going to happen in the organization once this is solved? And some people don't ever ever think through what all those things could be. They just think, well, we have this one problem. We're just going to solve it, right? Okay. But what's going to that allow you to do? And you as a salesperson may not even know what all that is for that corporation. It's their corporation, not yours. And so when you get them to do the mind, uh, mental gymnastics of just going through that and, and projecting ahead, once that's solved, they feel even more at peace about getting it solved. Like, oh, wow. 
I didn't, I didn't even think right now that it could have that repercussion of allowing us better retention or increasing our sales or, you know, uh, reducing our shutdowns so that we can be more productive in our manufacturing line or like whatever it is, make more money or save more money. This is typically what we end up solving problems for when a call kind of boils down to it. And when you can get them really thinking about what are all the different branches of repercussions of that solving that problem are, amazing ahas happen, which then reinforce the need for the for the problem to be solved. And then it makes it a like a feta complete. It makes it very easy to move into the final stages of a deal once that's been kind of explored uh, together. It, it's very easy to just rush to the end and like, okay, you, you want to get this solved? Let's get it, let's get the scope, you know, figured out and let's get that, get that product, let's get the thing solved. But if you slow down a moment and actually take this, this, this breath, it will in it'll it'll trump so many things down the line that could uh, come up as objections. Daniel Elliott, we've got time for one more of these amazing insights around sales jujitsu. Why don't you guys take us home on this one? What's the what's the last tip that you want to give to our our folks today? Strategies. Because if you give out tips, you get paid in tips. Just kidding. Um, Post sales, like post fight, rather is is really the the, the spot that we want to be in here, and, and then the idea of a post mortem. So if you've if you've ever you know had a sales pro or you're a sales pro and you you've nailed it one day, you hit it out of the park, but on the next day, on the similar call with a similar objection, it goes you know the same techniques and and you you're not able not to be successful. And this is why you need systems. You need to have the predictability of repetitiveness. And I've always spent time reviewing my lost sales, and I rarely reviewed my wins. And what Elliot shared with me around this concept completely changed my mind around this. So this is why we want systems in place. It's very easy. You know, if we're mature sales folks, if we're mature athletes, we're going to learn from our losses, but it's very easy to overlook your wins. And so tell a quick story. I have an MMA fighter who's a purple belt in jiu-jitsu which is two ranks below black belt. And he was fighting a local black belt. And because jiu-jitsu specializes on the ground, we knew that if this black belt was going to have a chance of winning, it was going to be on the ground. So the strategy was to never let the fight go to the ground. My guy went in one with in two or three minutes. It'd be very easy to look at that and say, Oh, that was one-sided. There's nothing to learn, but because we do this as a system, because we're disciplined about learning from every engagement win or lose, we went in and noticed that there was one moment in the fight where the, the black belt shot in from a really far distance and got close enough where it was possible to take us down. My guy stopped it, got on top, won the fight in the next 20, 30 seconds. But why did the guy get close enough? Had we not done that analysis, we wouldn't have seen that his distancing was great, but he was also staying linearly in front of his opponent instead of circling which ended up being a really key takeaway for the next fight that he had. And so this idea of learning from every engagement, win or lose, teasing out all the gold mine, all the gems of knowledge and insight you can is so important. And so when my team is winning, I, I force them to review their wins and identify for me and I review them, but they had to review them so they can identify the things they're doing really well and reinforce them. And do them more often, and they hear their own brilliance. Remember, we only as humans only re like receive twenty percent of what we hear or what we see. 
And so even the reps themselves aren't hearing themselves unless they actually spend the time to review themselves. And they see the things that they're, wow, that was a great, that was great what I just said. I better say that again. And they do it again and they get the reinforcement of both their um, emotional state, but also the tactics that they're doing so they continue to do them, do them well. And what we've done, we've created a lot of tools and we've put together this call review guide. It's part of the book. And, you know, this is a tool that'll help you, or if you have a sales team, break down your calls, whether it was um, a call that was uh, lost or one that you won. And what it does is it gives you question prompts to help you discover where you can improve. And what it means is that you or your team is going to increase your conversion rates and keep your custody revenues. And of course, you know, your own incomes. And, you know, one of the things somebody we typically get asked is, Daniel, do we need to know jujitsu to know, to be able to do the the sales jujitsu system? And the thing is, you just, you don't need to know jujitsu in order to implement the system. You know, whether you're a solopreneur, you have a small sales team or a large sales team, the sales jujitsu system is really there to show you the next best steps to take to get to the next level. That's awesome. I know it's, it's a, it's a pretty common, like cognitive distortion to ignore the positive. Like we always, you know, somebody gives us 20 points of amazing feedback and they say like one thing that's, you know, small and and, and inconsequential, you know, you, uh, you tend to like obsess about that, right? If you had, you know, if you, if you closed five deals this week, but you lost one, right. That won't, the, the, the five deals you won, like, I mean, you, you might celebrate or go buy yeah. something, but you're, you're going to lose sleep over like that one that didn't close. Like, what did I do wrong? You're going to like watch that tape. And so hearing that you guys are saying to watch the wins too, to start to indoctrinate yourself into your own uh, language and thinking around those deals that you won. Um, it, it feels a little bit of an unnatural thing. Like you have to learn that practice or somebody has to push you into that practice because you might think, oh, I closed the deal. Like what is there to learn? It's perfection, right? Uh, but, <laughs> you know, that's that's maybe not always the case. So uh, I love I love hearing that, uh, that, that advice as well. And also the call review guide, which in a little bit I'll, tell, I'll ask you guys how uh, our folks can find out more about you. And, and that would be a great resource to have for them. Guys, I'm I'm excited about your book for my team. I'm excited about this concept. It sounds like you're having some great success with it. I think sales teams all over the world should should definitely lean in and start thinking about this stuff. I think this this comparison or parallel between jujitsu and sales makes a lot of freaking sense. And I think I've always told you like sales is a full contact sport. Like you know, if you have a sales team, like I've always said, you you got to give them some a little bit of love every day. Like get them out there, like that a boy kind of stuff, because it is more full contact than maybe some other roles. Uh, in in business, and so I think that you're on the right track with this uh, this system. So really cool to hear about it, and uh, I'm excited to implement it for our our team. Appreciate it, appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, like listen, sales is a noble activity. Like salespeople and sales activities, they get a lot of shade thrown at people, and 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 yeah, there are people out there that are selling things that people don't need. But sales is a noble activity. We get problems in this world solved. Those problems typically help the economic engines of the world, they, they typically are helping people solve problems so they can make more money or save money. And, um, you know, I, I just, I want to give the call to action to people out there to get more comfortable with sales. If, if you're a new agency owner, for example, get comfortable with sales. It is a noble thing to go and do. It is not a, an icky thing to do. And it, it is a thing that is going to be the lifeblood of your, of your business, uh, propel you forward. And you're, and you're solving real problems for people out there and uh, we just want to be that that change. And 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 Brent, like, get us your uh, get us your your address. We'd love to send you the book. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we would. 
Uh, love that. And uh, I probably won't wait around for me to send it. I'll just, I'll grab it on Amazon or whatever and uh, and support you guys for success. And I hope, I hope a lot of our listeners uh, do as well. Are you guys ready for our lightning round? Yeah. Yeah. Tell us. Yeah. And you will. We'll, okay. That's great. What is the best advice you've ever received? It was my grandfather. He, he survived uh, Auschwitz and uh, was a survivor. And he told me to listen more than I speak. Elliot, for you? Uh, really, and it, it's kind of parallels, but it's uh, it's actually from Man's Search for Meaning. And it's really about starting with why. Know why you're doing what you do. Uh, because in those down times, in those, on those hard days, what's going to drive you, what's going to fuel you is that strong why. And, you know, as we talk about in the book, we've both been through some very challenging things. Uh, you know, I had a very severe injury and the only thing that allowed me to persist through it was, was having a, a, a mission that's really important to me. So if you haven't done that, that work to figure out your, your purpose, start there. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? I think my ability to be in the other person's shoes and emotionally connect to them has probably been the biggest advantage I've ever had. Yeah, for me, uh, again, kind of parallels. It's 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 really listening to people. I have a, a school here in Toronto, and you know, everyone comes in for different reasons. People, some people just want to have fun and learn an art. Some people. Uh, have had some really bad stuff happen. And, you know, if you're, and, and so I've actually had to sell through that uh, environment, but if you're trying to sell self-defense to someone who wants to be an athlete or vice versa, it's a mismatch, right? You really have to be a good, good listener. That's great. Can you guys share an internet resource, a tool or app that you use regularly that you think our listeners would find valuable? I use focus at will. It's an app that, has a neuroscience-based approach to ambient music. And when you just need to zone in, especially I do a lot of travel in airports and stuff, I want to zone in and be very productive. I'm able to pick a, a tonality that just allows me to do that. So I use one called Sleep Cycle. So we have our kind of uh, circadian rhythms and we, we go through deep and shallow sleep throughout the night. And if you set an alarm for a specific time, independent of how deep or shallow your sleep is, you could wake up feeling really groggy. So this actually detects your movements throughout the night and will only wake you up within a half hour window of your preferred wake up time when you're in the kind of least deep sleep. And I feel so much more refreshed when I, when I use it. And what book besides your own would you recommend and why? I think one of the, one of my preferred books um, would be uh, Influence would be one of the, by Robert Cialdini. And for me, uh, many of us have heard of the art of war. And if you pick up just a random copy, it, it sounds very poetic and artistic and it's hard to make sense of, but there's a version from a series called the art of war plus, and they would have the art of war on one side of the page. And then the exact same translate, the exact same page or sentences applied to a different topic. So the art of war plus the art of war for marketing or the art of war plus the art of war for parenting. And this version is the art of war for life. And the, the name of the book is The Warrior's Apprentice. Uh, and it's, it has made that otherwise very kind of uh, obscure text really accessible. And, and I think there's some deep wisdom in it. 
That's awesome. I'm going to link out to uh, The Art of War, The Warrior's Apprentice, uh, through that Art of War Plus series, Influence. I think you also earlier mentioned the book Man Search for Meaning. Also, those app recommendations are awesome. Focus at will for that tonality, uh, that that music that that lines up with your uh, your kind of mental uh, focus rhythms. Also, sleep cycle. You guys have all sorts of great takeaways. Check that out at our show notes, yougurus.com forward slash podcast if you want all the resources from this episode. And there's going to be a ton for this episode uh, based on how generous Daniel and Elliot have been today. So check it out, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Guys, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have they can check out? Yeah. So salesjujitsubook.com. So sales, J-I-U-J-I-T-S-U book.com forward slash how to sell. And on there, you'll see um, some links to some resources, but also uh, one of our really affordable resources that you can connect with us on. So Awesome. We will also make sure that's on our show notes, featured nice and uh, in bold. So check that out, salesjujitsu.com slash how to sell. Sales jujitsu book. Sales jujitsu Sales jujitsu book. Here book. I was just screwing yep. up your URL. Dot com. Yeah, dot com, com forward slash how to See, sell. Now we're, we're going to talk about the URL for like two minutes. So everybody's going to get a little extra play time <laughs> on that. Uh, salesjujitsubook.com slash how to sell. You can always find all these links at our website, though, yougurus.com slash podcast. If you listen to this week of, you're going to see Daniel and Elliot's photo right up there at the top. Click on those guys. You'll get all those gold nuggets, takeaways, all that good stuff. So if you're out on the road or on your bike like me, we've got all those resources for you, yougurus.com slash podcast. Guys, thanks so much for stopping by the program today. Thank thanks you. for having us. That's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale the multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Brent Weaver.